Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast, episode 80. Hey there, Neverlanders! It is I, the Pan, the Spider Pan, Jeremy. I am with you once again. We are getting ready to take flight one more time to Neverland with the Neverland Podcast. And we're not going alone. Of course, we have our good buddy, Lost Boy Jesse, with us. Hello, everybody. And we mean everybody, because we got to take flight. Do you have your picture in your pocket, Jesse? Only on Sundays. Well, that's usually when we record these things, so that's a good time to have your pixie. Well, we all need to take our pixie out of our pocket and sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Grab your happiest thoughts, and let's take flight! Woohoo! Off to Neverland! Off to Neverland! Now, there's a few things I want to keep in mind here while we're flying off here. I feel like your your flight attendant here. I should be gesturing. Imagine me now, dressed as Peter Pan and gesturing to the left and to the right, as I say to make sure you visit us at NeverlandPodcast.com and also contact us through podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. That is, of course, our email address. Let us know what you think about the show, what you're enjoying, what you're maybe not enjoying. <gasps> Gasp! Follow us on Twitter and interact with us. Feel free to tweet with us anytime you want. Twitter.com slash NeverlandPCast or at NeverlandPCast. And don't forget on Facebook we have both a like page and a group page. Simply search for Neverland Podcast. Don't forget you can leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492, which of course you can find on the website in case you can't get it just from me saying it out loud to you. Don't forget also you can join the Neverlanders and become an official Lost Boy or Pixie by simply following some instructions you'll find on the website under Neverlanders with an explanation point. Now you might be wondering, how come it's Lost Boys and Pixies? Where are the Lost Girls? Jesse, do you know why there's not any Lost Girls? They ask for directions? Well, that's true. They are too clever. They don't get lost. And so I guess it may, maybe they're clever enough to ask for directions. I, I ask for directions occasionally, though. I, I've done it before. I, I got a GPS on my phone. It's, that's pretty much asking for directions. But that's a guy thing. You know, it's technology, so we're, we're free, free to play with it. That's, that's legal. It's not an actual map. It's a nap. Exactly. So it still works. Now... 
Uh, we do like to talk about theme parks around here at the Neverland Podcast. Uh, and, of course, today we are definitely going to continue to talk about the Disneyland Diamond Celebration. 60 years as we count our way down to July 17th, the actual 60th anniversary. We will be going along and hearing some audio from the opening day of Disneyland once again. So, got that to look forward to. But while we're talking about theme parks, let's talk also a little bit about theme parks gone wrong, as you'll hear later on on my review of Jurassic World, which gets me in a dinosaur frame of mind, doesn't it? That's not a very big mind. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I guess we've got a pea-sized brain, but, uh, you know, there's people who think we don't use all of our brain, and our brain is uh, about the size of, what, a cabbage? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know if that's much better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think that I just fell flat on that one, didn't I? But that's okay. You know, if we're going to visit a dinosaur theme park, you know, I think it's time for another quiz. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah, you have to pass the test. So, uh, well, Jesse, what do you call a dinosaur with an extensive vocabulary? A thesaurus. Jeremy, what do you get when a dinosaur blows its nose? Get out of the way. Well, why did the dinosaur cross the road? Because the chicken joke was not invented. Now, how did the dinosaur feel after he ate his epulo? Down in the mouth. What's green and purple and goes up and down? Barney in an elevator. I love you. you. Okay, we're not going to sing that. Sorry. I apologize. Bunch of people just hit the stop button on their podcast and skipped over to the next show. (laughs) It's been 15 seconds. We're okay now. (laughs) How do you make a dinosaur float? Put a scoop of ice cream in a glass of root beer and add one dinosaur. And now on with the show. (laughs) And now on with the show. Uh, We have some... Rather sad movie news to share. Actor Christopher Lee, and I'm sure everybody heard about this, uh, he passed away this week. And this guy, I mean, my goodness, he was legendary. And he's known for a lot of different things, like playing Dracula and being in the Lord of the Rings movies. uh, And so many different things, a lot of voices. But he's got some pretty good Disney connections. That he does. Of course, we all know him from the Star Wars prequels of playing Count Dooku. He also did voice Count Dooku in the Clone Wars movie, but he, of course, was Corey Burton, took over the role for him on the television show. But, uh, yeah, Jesse, you found even some other Disney connections you were telling me about. Yes, his actually first Disney appearance came in the movie Return from Witch Mountain. Back in 1978. Yeah, I've never even seen that movie. Uh, I I saw it as a kid. I don't remember it. I know that they tried to remake, uh, bring the series back with uh, The Rock there, and I tried to watch that movie. It was kind of okay. I couldn't. I didn't get very far. <laughs> yeah, just okay is the best way to put it. Yeah, maybe I should go back and watch the originals because I guess the originals were just awesome. You know, the first one, The Escape from Witch Mountain, is a Probably, probably my be- my favorite Disney live action movie. Wow, even better than Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins has, a- has animation. Oh well, that's true. I mean, 
and it's a live action movie, but it does have an animated section in there. Stric- so. Strictly just live action, no animation. I would say Escape from Witch Mountain is my favorite. I should probably see that one of these days. Uh, also, uh, you c- c- Song of the South was also mixed live action. Yeah, animated, that's true. So. That's true. So I, I put that in Mary Poppins and Ben Knobs and Broomsticks in a different category from just yeah. live action. Because of the animated sequences in there that right. make it a good mix. This, But uh, but Escape from Witch Mountain was better than Love Bug or uh, even, even 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, in my opinion. Wow. And 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, that is a brilliant movie. It is, but I would go with Escape from Witch Mountain. See, I'm going to have to watch that now. I'll have to find it. I'm, I'm sure it's somewhere. They've released it some fashion. I'll find it. I gotta at check that at out. one point, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there or not, but a year ago it was. Oh, I'll have to take a look. Um, also, he was in, for vi- my video game players out there, he was Ansem the Wise in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I see him listed in Kingdom Hearts too. Now, see, that's something actually I've been looking into here lately. Uh, I did see uh, for like. Uh, like twenty dollars, I think I saw it at Walmart uh, today uh, for the PS3. They had a Kingdom Kingdom Hearts 1.5. It's like the the HD remix, and it said something on the back about having three stories. Now, um, I, I I think we're up to. I think they're about to release what Kingdom Hearts 4 or something. I have not followed up on this. Uh, I unfortunately with SquareSoft, I tend to get bored playing their games, and I've never actually finished one. But I've been very curious as a Disney fan to play Kingdom Hearts, and so I'm wondering if these uh, these new releases that they've put out because I did see there's a Kingdom Hearts 2.5, which is the HD remix, and I'm wondering if they didn't. Like for each disc release, maybe more than one Kingdom Hearts game on each disc. Do you know anything about this? Have you looked in on this? I, I don't know for for sure. I did play Kingdom Hearts one and two on the PS2 when they came out, which is which are the only two RPG games I've ever played, um, and I absolutely adore them. They're great games. I don't know about the remastered though. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to look into these because I because I never got a chance to play them, and like I said, I was kind of held back because, uh, like the Final Fantasy games, and somebody's gonna pass out or 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 something or want to hit me. But the Final Fantasy games, I get bored. The stories are great, but I I hate having random encounters that where all I get to do is sit there and hit a button and give commands. I, I like to feel a little bit more active. I love the Legend of Zelda series because it's more of an action RPG, you know. Uh, I, I like to be able to fight the battles instead of just saying, "Okay, yes, I want to attack." Click, you know, and 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 to not have much control of when do you go into battle. To just be walking along and maybe being like, "Oh, I want to get to the next part of the story. Let me hurry up and go up here." Then suddenly, boosh! Oh, I'm in a battle. Doggone it! Now I gotta spend five minutes just clicking. Yes, I want to attack. You know, so I get bored. And if so, if Kingdom Hearts plays like that, I you know I don't know if I'd be able to get into it. Yeah, I haven't played. No, it's not like that at all. It's it's different in um, Kingdom Hearts. Um, I've I've played Final Fantasy. I got bored with Final Fantasy. Kingdom Hearts, I was th- truly enthralled with. I'll have to pick that up then. Uh, that, I'll put that on the list. That it's something else I can play when I'm I'm through with Skyrim because Skyrim, I I just you know I'm a little late on this one. I've just picked it up uh, a few months ago, and uh, it is all consuming. Well, you know, tell, <laughs> tell you what, Jeremy. While you're playing Skyrim, you can buy this copy and mail it to me. When I'm done, I'll mail it back to you. 
Might be an idea. We we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll we'll talk off air. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk off air. <laughs> uh, Christopher Lee though did have some other Disney roles. He was uncredited, but he did have a voice in Frank and Winnie, the 2012 animated feature. Um, he played he played Dracula. Also in Alice in Wonderland, he was the voice of the Jabberwocky. I had forgot about that part, and I need to go back and watch that again. Yeah, I only saw it once, and uh, it was okay. Uh, My wife really likes that one, and I don't remember the Jabberwocky speaking. Um, I think think my problem with that is, you know, I was afraid when I got into it it was going to be too much of Johnny Depp, because I'm really, I can get tired of Johnny Depp. He's just too much, too much of a, you know, pretty good actor, but you can get a little too much of him. Uh, but I actually thought his role in there as the Mad Hatter was actually pretty good. I think it was it was maybe I don't know if it, you just call it too much Tim Burton for me, but uh, I think I think the kicker that really kind of bothered me was um, uh, and I can't think of the actress's name now, Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. as the White Queen, where she had her arms just out at an angle at the whole time in a very cheesy fashion and. And I'm thinking, okay, I've seen her. She she's a decent actress. I'm I can seen her do a lot better than that. So I'm thinking it must have been Tim Burton wanted the character this way. I'm sure that was a director's note that bothered me too. Yeah, um, it was a good movie though. It it was a good movie. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Uh, it, it, it's uh, if I hadn't gotten a copy of the DVD for free uh, through the Disney Movie Club, I would not own a copy of that. Uh, but you know, my wife really enjoys it. But I definitely prefer the animated a, a lot better. I love the animated version of that one. Well, that's a standard feeling. But I am looking forward to the sequel, seeing what they're going to do with that one when it comes out. Yeah, it's, I've been hearing about this for the longest time. And I, it's, it's one of those ones almost like the good dinosaur where it seems like it disappears and all of a sudden it comes back. And you're like, oh, look, there it is. It's coming out after all. Well, it is definitely coming out. Yeah, it's just don't know when. It just seems like it, you know, I heard about it was going to happen, and then it's like, okay, well, where did it go? <laughs> but, uh, so yes, the great Christopher Lee, I oh, uh, appreciate everything he did, uh, you know, died at the age of 93 here on June 7th. This is Gary Gnu, and the no Gnu's is good Gnu show. The only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to contain no Gnu's whatsoever. Neverland news from the Disney parks. Okay, well, speaking of Disneyland's Diamond Celebration and 60th anniversary, Jesse, you got a chance to go and visit the parks here. Yes, yes, yes I did. So and it looks amazing. Yeah, I've seen some of your photos which you have up on uh, questforvaultdisney.com. WesterVaultDisney.wordpress.com. WordPress.com. That WordPress is very important. Yes. And on NeverlandPodcast.com, you can find a link for Jesse's blog. Uh, it, it's basically a picture of the old Mickey Vault from the Vault Disney. You know, back when they had the, you know, in the middle of the night on the Disney Channel when they actually had a program worth watching on that show. Uh, but anyways, Back when the Disney Channel was a good Disney Channel. Right. <laughs> it was a lot better, but they had Vault Disney at night. It's that image. And I, if you find and click on that Im- image uh, when you find our friends section, you can go straight to his blog. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of interesting articles about Tomorrowland. And also he's got some photos from this recent trip he was sharing on Facebook. So, by the way, you need to follow us on Facebook, by the way, everybody. So, 
Yeah, I got to see some of the photos and everything of the castle. I mean, that just looks awesome. When I got home from that trip, Jeremy, I downloaded 480 pictures. You have not seen everything. Holy cannoli. So, uh, this was just a single day trip, huh? Yeah, just went down for one day. Uh, my friend Michelle uh, invited me down to go see the park with her. She was in town, actually from the United Kingdom. Uh, she was in Northern California for a few days. He said, hey, let's go to Disneyland for a day. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, twist your arm, huh? Yeah, that, that, that really hurt all the force you had to apply on that arm. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. So, we, we went down on Thursday, the 28th of May. We got to the park around 10 o'clock in the morning. And we just had the next 14 hours to play and play and play. Oh, so, okay, so what, did you have, like, a plan when you went in? Like, okay, we only have one day, so we have to hit this, 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 and this. Or did you just go in and whatever you felt like doing, you run off to? Well, we had two or th- we had three main goals for the day. The first was to see the Hatbox Ghost because he had just come back out of... He had just um, re-emerged. re-emerged <laughs> after 40 years of hiding. Yeah. So we had to go pay him a visit over at the Haunted Mansion. Definitely. And we wanted to check out the new Paint the Night Parade and the new Disneyland Forever fireworks show. Awesome. Oh, and the Matterhorn with the new effects. You had to check that out. Yes, that was also our secondary goal was to see the Matterhorn. And oh, that indeed. is amazing. So let's kind of just do a quick walkthrough. So uh, I, I believe when I was seeing you were popping up some uh, some photos up on Facebook or something, it's, uh, like your first goal was just to go and take a bunch of pictures of a lot of the different decorations, right? Right. First things first, they had just decorated the park for the 60th. The celebration began less than a week earlier, so everything was brand new and fresh. Uh, it still is. But we decided to go, just walk down Main Street, stop and take a look at all the bunting that's exposed throughout the entire theme park. Every building on Main Street has these blue and white buntings to celebrate the diamond anniversary. Every gas lamp down Main Street has a um, Disney D with a diamond in the middle of it on it. And the castle is just decorated amazingly. It sparkles in the sunlight, glistens in the moonlight. Just looks fantastic. Wow. So after you get all your pictures, uh, what was the first plan of action? Uh, First plan of action after pictures was we decided that because we had seen the movie Tomorrowland previously, we wanted to spend some time over there in the park. And so I grabbed a fast pass for Space Mountain for later in the day. And we took a voyage on Finding Nemo, the submarine voyage. Ah, yes. Um, it's always a fun ride. It was interesting. It was the first time I sat on the port side. I'm usually sat on the starboard side of the subs. And so it is the exact same ride, but it's the first time I experienced it firsthand. Now, I'm a little bit off on, like, versus starboard. Is that like the right and the left side of the submarine? Yes. Uh, No matter what side you sit on, you see the exact same show. They've built it twice on each side, once on each side. So that way you're not not having to look over your shoulder at someone else's porthole window. 
Yeah. So it's not just the animation, because I figured the animation was going to be the same, but all of the structures and different things outside of the sub, you're going to see the same thing of the... All, of, all, all the structures, all the starfish, all the animatronics they have out in the water, the scuba divers, exactly the same thing in exactly the same place. It's virtually a mirror image, almost. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that it was set up that way, because I've never been on it. And of note, you do not go underwater. It just feels like you do. <laughs> well, that's that's part of the fun of, uh, of Disney Park is the illusion, the magic of making you feel like you're really doing something, even though you're not. It's it's like the ultimate, let's pretend we're, we're going to go on this adventure. Just pretend. Yep. And I remember my one trip to Disney World, I was, I was more than willing to just play along with everything and let everything be real to me. And that's... Uh, the uh, the technology and everything they use, uh, just it really does enable you to just you don't hardly have to imagine anything. You just have to just go with it, and it's uh, it's magic. So after the submarines, we decided to go over to Star Tours to experience that again. Of course, got to. Uh, uh, you have to. Do you remember last year when we went to Star Tours for our friends of the magic? Yes, I do. In fact, I believe we just shared that audio a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yes, we did. So we can gloss over that because I had the exact same ride. (laughs) Of all the possible variables, you have to get the same one. Every single variable was the same. It was disappointing to me because that was actually the third time in a row I've had the exact same scenario. (laughs) It's like they see you coming. Oh, look, it's Jesse. Give him this show again. So we'll just glance over that, and after that we head over to Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters. Now I hear there was a bit of an adventure with this, that uh, your gun was not functioning properly. My gun functioned quite properly. I have photographic evidence to show that I did win by 118,000 to 6,500. But when the photos were developed at the end of the ride... It showed I had zero. Well, that's interesting. How did that happen? Uh, I blame IT. <laughs> Since I'm an IT technician myself, I can do that. You can do that. <laughs> so what? So um, like the the big scoreboard, because I, I don't know how this is structured over there, but like the final scoreboard, it wasn't registered, but yet on your gun, it did register your score? What, what happens is on the actual Omnimover Astro Blaster device that you're in, it shows your score, and it, show, it showed our scores. It showed that I was at 118,000. She was at 6,500, and I did take photos of that. But when you come off, you can go to a kiosk, and where you can email, because there's a point in the ride where they actually take your picture. And so you can send your picture and your final scores to yourself to email to your friends later on. for um, Just to remember your little trip there. One of the, one of the few freebies at Disneyland. <laughs> and you didn't get the uh, right score to show up. <laughs> and now the score showed 6,500 to 0. I, I think someone paid off the cast members. <laughs> Did Michelle go ahead and send it to her Facebook to say, Ha ha, I won! Uh, we did send it to my email address, and it just kind of got lost somewhere along the way. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Lost somewhere. Yeah. Lost. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. <laughs> the E-ticket. 
So after start after uh, Buzz Lightyear, we it was time for our fast pass on Space Mountain, which is always one of the best rides to do at Disneyland. And are they still using a that score from uh, Michael Giacono or Como? Yes, yes, the music has not changed on the attraction. Awesome, because I, I really want to hear that music the first time I get a chance to ride that, which hopefully will be another year, if not sooner. I'm working on it. I'm going to get myself there. Uh, it's always a good... It, there's always a way to get there, buddy. You know that. Yes, I know. You do some travel agent stuff, but I have to have money to pay for it. So. Yes, I'm yes. I'm working like on the, it. We like the monies. Yes. <sighs> But yeah, because so, definitely I've gotten to hear that that score album, and it is just fantastic. Just the music is just great. I still want to see it as Ghost Galaxy too, so I have to make a couple of trips out there and check it out. Uh, that's still one of my to dos, also. Yeah. Now, did they do anything to to spruce that up for the the 60 year anniversary? No, Space Mountain is just Space Mountain. Just There's nothing Space special. Mountain? Uh, actually, I didn't. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't see much in Tomorrowland to celebrate the 60th. But at the same time, there's not much in Tomorrowland that is part of the original Disneyland either. Ah. Uh, almost everything, everything except Autotopia, which I did not ride, is quite different from when it first opened up. <laughs> I bet there was a lot of uh, promotional materials for the Tomorrowland movie placed. In the right places around there too. Uh, there was there was actually a three D um, a three D preview being shown in the Magic Eye Theater, where the, which used to house uh, Captain Neo. Uh, but since I'd seen the movie just a few days earlier, and I was only on a limited time crunch, we <laughs> skipped over that. Yeah, it, it, in my mind, it wasn't worth seeing a preview days after seeing the movie. Yeah, yeah. even if there maybe was some 4D effects that might have been fun, it's like, yeah, well, we've seen it. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. And the next important thing was lunch. <laughs> yeah, you. it uh, looks like you tried to eat healthy. Uh, surprisingly, I did. I had decided before I had gone, I was going to grab a sandwich and some soup. And when I got there, I looked in the display case, and I saw... Well, besides the most amazing cupcakes I've ever seen, I saw a salad. So we, I had a salad for lunch. Yeah, it had some unusual ingredients, I think, too. Didn't have cranberries or something in it? The, it, it had cranberries and some pecans and feta cheese and a uh, raspberry balsamic vinegar. Yeah, that's, and that's it different. Was, it was different, but it was so good. Yeah, see, I don't know if I'd have been able to get into it, because I don't like cranberries and I don't like raspberries, so I probably would have been like, ugh. Well, then you could have had the other salad that we had, which was the uh, chicken strawberry field salad. Yeah, I probably would have plucked the strawberries out and ate them separately, though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they ha- they have uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup for you, Jeremy. Oh, well, hey, that's one of my comfort <laughs> foods. <laughs> that, that is what I was planning on having until I actually saw the salads, and I thought... This looks like a good value, and it yeah. was. It was really good. Uh, the highlight, highlight of the meal, though, I had I ordered the honey lemon cupcake, Ooh. and this was. It wasn't a cupcake like you think of cupcake. It was huge. It was probably three inches three inches diameter, and about five inches high when you add the buttercream icing. <laughs> and how much of that height was the icing? About two inches. Oh <laughs> wow. 
there are pictures on my there are pictures of the cupcake on the my blog. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, um, that looks like it's fairly big, but dang, I didn't think it would be that big. It was a good sized portion, and very yummy. Oh, I'll bet. Did you have to share it? <laughs> I didn't have to, but I chose to because she shared her dessert with me. Ah, uh, so that uh, she, was nice. She got the um, raspberry filled um, macaroon. Which is a raspberry macaroon with raspberry meringue and fresh raspberries. I'm sensing a raspberry theme here. It's a very raspberry theme here, <laughs> and I'll, I'll I'll be honest. She uh, Michelle gave me a bite of her cookie because I gave her a bite of my cupcake, and when we were done, I cleaned her plate out. I looked up. <laughs> I looked up every crumb. <laughs> I, no, I believe no, I heard no the shame. quote of no you. Shame. Licked it clean, completely. <laughs> I, I have no shame. It was easily my most favorite snack that I will be getting again in the future. <laughs> and did anybody get a photo of that? Uh, no. No photos, oh. ex- no photos exist. No photos exist. But there is no shame, but there's no photos. No shame, but no photos. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, well, so now you've got full stomachs. You're on a sugar high, I'm sure. What's next on the agenda? It is time to visit our friend Mr. Hattie over at the Haunted Mansion. Which I always find weird that people call it Hattie, because to me, I, I think Hattie and I think Hattie Durham, if, you, if anybody's read the Left Behind novels, which I have. Uh, so Hattie, I always get the wrong. It's like, that doesn't seem like the right name for the Hattie. Well, that's me. That is you. I know. I know who you're talking about. I've read the series, but his name is Hattie. It will always be Hattie. Hattie is Hattie is Hattie. Eh, I'll just refer to him as H B G or yeah H B G. Yo, okay. <laughs> crickets. Cricket, do we, do cricket, we have a cricket, cricket. cue? Uh, sometimes it's fun just to say cricket, cricket, cricket. <laughs> But it, it, it looks amazing. Uh, I know you've not been to Disneyland. You haven't seen the Han Mansion before or after the edition. Uh, but the effect is amazing. Uh, the short story is the Hatbox Ghost was installed when the Han Mansion first opened up in 1969. And after about two weeks, they decided the effect wasn't quite working right. And so he was removed. Yeah, from the certain angles, you could see both heads in position. Right, and so he's been gone since nineteen since August nineteen sixty nine, and he just returned this year for the, this last. He returned in May for the first time since then. Now it looks like from some video and photos I've seen that they uh, use some projection technology now for the head. When I'm at Disneyland, I don't look for the ins and outs. I just appreciate the show. Well, there you go. There you go. There's just part of that technical thing that. Uh, because sometimes I worry with the projections. Because uh, you know, to me, when I when I over Walt Disney World in Florida, when I first saw the bride, she looked like a television to me. It was just it was so much projection that I it, I it it didn't work for me, and so I was worried. It's like oh, that looks like they might have used projection. But this one, I must say, it looks a lot better, and it is a lot more uh, believable that that Hattie is is there. And I love that you know the animated with the hat, and uh, the, when I've seen some video clips, to hear him kind of laugh as his head disappears from his body and pops up in the hat box. It looks amazing. The unfortunate thing for us is 
We, we were hoping to get a very good long look at Hattie, but we went by at quote-unquote full speed. And then about 15 seconds after we passed by the Hatbox Ghost, we the attraction slowed down just a little bit. But oh. enough, enough where you can tell you're going at half speed. And it was just to the point where, no, why was it so much sooner? <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, what? Why couldn't this have been about five minutes ago? Well, not five minutes. Five minutes ago, you'd be out of the ride. <laughs> exactly. 15 <laughs> seconds, though, would have been perfect. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing I wished really when uh, when I was at Walt Disney World going through the Haunted Mansion. So I really wanted that thing to slow down. I wanted to take it all in. There's so much detail and so many fun things to look at. And now that they've added the Hatbox Ghost, and you want to just be able to study. Now, I have heard that there's some video out there that somebody uh, the ride stalled right where they were at the Hatbox Ghost, and they just rolled video on him. I have not gotten to see that video, but I know it exists. It's out there somewhere. Uh, my my friends Chris and Jeremy Allison they were able to, they were stuck and they got some photos of Hattie while they were stuck and that's on my blog I've borrowed it from them. Yeah, great photos by the way those are really cool. Um, so after Haunted Mansion we decided to go to Pirates of the Caribbean because we were in the neighborhood. Yo ho yo ho yo ho. Um, always good to stop by and see Captain Jack Sparrow and the rest of the crew. Indeed, indeed. A uh, fun story while we were in line, we actually found some listeners of the Disney Dream Girl podcast who were standing right there in front of us. Ah, and yet no Neverland podcast listeners. No <sighs> Neverland podcast listeners, unfortunately. Well, if you're out there, I'll be there in August. Come find me. Yeah, hopefully some people would recognize you from, you know, I've got your picture up on the Facebook page. So somebody would say like, hey, you got that blog and are you the guy that has to put up with that guy who thinks he's Peter Pan? Mm. Yes, yes I am. <laughs> so after this, we decided to go and experience um, Harold. We went to go pay Harold a visit. Harold? Harold, the abominable snowman. I didn't realize he has a name. He has a name. Everyone in Disneyland has a name. Well, now that's interesting. So Harold, the abominable snowman, is who we saw next. Uh, decided to go and just check him out. Jeremy, I'm going to tell you a secret. Don't tell anyone, okay? Okay, I'll, I'll make sure only the listeners okay. hear it. Just, just between you and me. Edit this out for everyone else. Keep playing the tape. We didn't stand in standby. We went single rider. <gasps> oh my. We bypassed a 45-minute line to go in about five minutes. <laughs> Hey, yeah, you know, single rider seems to be a good option if you can do it. If you can do it, single rider is a good option. I don't like breaking the rules, but I don't like waiting in line either. <laughs> yeah, if you can kind of move the line along, and of course, some some lines apparently are worth waiting in just for all the interactivity and different things and uh, different things to look at and stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, but anyway, the 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 new animatronics for the Bombless Snowman looks amazing. It used to be he was just stationary and would just kind of wave his arm at you as he as he went by. Now he's jumping out of corners and lurching at you. And it just looks amazing. It's much more animated. And it seems larger uh, from what I've seen. 
Uh, it does seem larger. There's a couple. There's one where it's just his upper torso and head, as opposed to his full body, and so that gives it a much bigger feeling. And there's yeah. also there's also some nice other touching tributes throughout the ride. At one point, you go by a tribute to um, uh, Frank Wells, who used to be an executive executive at the park, mm-hmm. and with a company that was very nice because he enjoyed mountain climbing. So oh, was, okay. So it was a it was a very fitting tribute for where he was for that. Uh, the ride still a little bit bumpy, according to most people. I didn't notice it being any more bumpier than before. I like the ride. I'll go on it every time I'm with, every time I'm at the park. It's it's a good attraction. Yeah, I hear sometimes it depends upon where you're sitting out on whether or not it's uncomfortable. This is true. It is true. Sometimes you get a good smooth ride. Sometimes you get a bumpy ride based if you're in the front or the back. So if you find like somewhere in the middle, it's usually a little smoother? Uh, I haven't experienced the middle. I don't know. Hmm. I'll have to experiment with that whenever I get out there sometime. Yes. Or if anybody has uh, has tried it out and tried the middle, the front, and the back and got a smoother experience, let us know on the voicemail line or through email. Uh, where's the best place to ride in front of the Matterhorn bobsled? Now, after that, I did something very unusual. Well, before I... Let's back up. The last time I went to Disneyland, I celebrated an anniversary. Did you, did you know that? Uh, which anniversary would that have been? Was it a birthday? It was a birthday. Last August, when I was at Disneyland, we celebrated the 45th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion. Oh, indeed. Yes. Now, by circumstance... I was able to celebrate the birthday of a small world. Ah, uh, yeah. There was no cake. There was no cupcakes. There was no party. But there was incessant singing. What, did they have people out front singing the song or something? Or just when you got on the ride? <laughs> just on the ride, you had all these puppets brainwashed to sing the same song over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And in different languages. Yes, in different languages. So mm, I wrote... Not much different. <laughs> not much different at all. I wrote a small world. I got off the small world, and I went to go ride Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. The wildest ride in the wilderness. Absolutely. Hang on to those hats and glasses. Yeehaw. And that's recently been given a massive update. That was given a massive update just last year. Uh, I think we talked about this last year, but they have some awesome um, visual effects now as you're going up the final ex- uh, final hill where you see a massive explosion going taking place right there in front of you. You get some pyrotechnics and some lovely dry ice smoke. It just looks awesome. YouTube it. You can get better feel than my description. <laughs> but it's like the whole mountain is blowing up around you. Absolutely. Pyrotechnic dynamite explosion going on. Fantastic. And uh, the, I have they updated the story? Because I've heard about you know a uh, character they've added a portrait of that looks similar to Tony Baxter. Um, I don't know that for sure. I cannot confirm Okay, because I heard something about it. It might be only at Walt Disney World they were going to do that and kind of update the story, and there's supposed to be a portrait of a, a character who's supposed to be like the owner of the mine, and they were going to make him look a little like Tony Baxter because he's the one who came up with the ride. So we'll have to look into that because I, yeah, I've been hearing stories about that, but it might be just at Walt Disney World. I'll, I'll take I'll take a look around back in, in August when I'm back there again. 
definitely do. And yeah, especially get a photo of that because I'm kind of curious what that portrait is supposed to look like. And I've kind of wondered, uh, unfortunately, with the Big Thunder Mountain comic book, I've only managed to get the first issue. Uh, so I didn't, you know, I haven't gotten to delve into the story too much. Uh, I, I'm I kind of wondering. You know. I, ha- I had the first two, but I've not read them yet. Yeah, it's very good stuff, but, uh, you know, money's been tight and time, so is time, so I haven't gotten yeah. to pick them up. Uh-huh. I may have to just get the uh, the completed uh, set when they have the, the graphic novel book version come out very soon. You know, it's almost my birthday, by the way. Hmm. Anyway. My birthday's passed, and nobody got me nothing. Anyway, so after <laughs> Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, it was time to go to see our friend Dr. Jones. Oh, of course. Yeah, it seems he had some kind of expedition in the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. Oh, shouldn't go in there when it's forbidden like that. You know, you might you might see something you shouldn't and end up uh, on the path of doom. You do not want to look into the Eye of Mara, whatever you do. Well, did you look? Of course I looked. You're not going to go in there and not look in his eye. And what did you see in his eye? Well, I was promised um, eternal riches. Instead, I was given perilous doom. Uh-oh. Now, how'd Uh-oh. you get out of there? Uh, through some fancy steering, we avoided the snakes, the fire, the poison darts, the spiders, a falling boulder, and some guy named Indiana Jones rescued us. Well, that's what kind of thing he does. That's what he's there for. He's kind of good he's at that. <laughs> so after that, it was time to eat some dinner because I was hungry again. I get Funny hung- how that happens. I get hungry when I'm at Disneyland. Kind of fun. Kind of interesting that way. Well, yeah, when you got all these different food options, you might as well get hungry. Absolutely. And Jeremy, I tried something I have never tried before. Well, you've already tried healthy food, so that's not going to be a new thing. It was green. <laughs> green and something you had never eaten before. Um, lizards? <laughs> Deep fried pickles. Deep fr- wow. Deep, Deep fried, fried pickle. pickles. What do they put it in? A, like a bread batter or a what? Uh, it, it was um, a Parmesan panko crust. Ooh, hey. Um, I, there's pictures on my uh, latest blog. Um, they're deep fried. Uh, comes with the dipping sauce. You get five spears per order. And surprisingly, for being deep fried, they're very crunchy and very good. Now, do they have options between like having like a dill or a sweet pickle? Only dill. Only dill. Yeah, see, I'm not a big fan of dill pickles. I, you know, I, I like them on a hamburger, uh, but I, I really I love sweet pickles. I, I prefer sweet pickles, but I was definitely willing to take one for the team to try something different. Yeah, you know, being fried with some batter and some Parmesan cheese would probably be really excellent. Even with dill, would probably it, be really good. It, ter- it turned out very good. I was quite surprised and quite pleased. So, what sort of I, dipping sauce do they give you? Uh, it's called a house sauce. Um, I really don't know how to categorize it, honestly. I'm not, I'm not a food expert where I can't really tell you what it is. Well, how would you describe it? Was it like a sweet sauce, a tangy kind of sauce? Or? How about sweet tangy? Sweet, sweet tangy. and tangy. Sweet and tangy. Sounds so, good. I, I think it was definitely a. I think it was a mayo-based sauce. Hmm. But it was it was definitely pink in texture in color though. Hmm. Some similar to like a like not, the sauce they put on a Big Mac kind of where it seems like it's Thousand Island dressing or something. Not quite Thousand Island dressing because obviously there's no relish in there, but yeah, I, I would say similar. Yeah, I would say it's similar because you know instead of the relish, you had a pickle you were already eating. So right, but it would mix fairly well. Definitely worth experimenting with. 
Yeah, you know, that uh, reminds me of when I was a kid, what I used to do was I'd get mayonnaise and ketchup and I'd mix that together and dip hot dogs into. Because it did taste a little bit like Thousand Island dressing. Mm-hmm. I would. Add, well, I did the same thing, but I'd add, add a dash of uh, mustard also. Yeah, I've never tried that. It's been a long time since I've even mixed the, the mustard and the mayonnaise together like that. I might have to do that again sometime. And this has been Culinary Tips with Jeremy and Jesse. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my main course was just a turkey sandwich. It was warm. It was for me. It was about 85 degrees. So I didn't really want to get a hot meal. Yeah. I didn't really feel like a cheeseburger or some chili. So a turkey sandwich hit the spot for me. Yeah, uh, so I figured Disney's not going to do a turkey sandwich plain. They're going to do some nice stuff on there. So uh, was there you know, something interesting and some different kind of cheese or anything that you could tell? Uh, it was a Monterey Jack cheese. Ooh, hey. Uh, it, it, it was served on a potato bread, but I had to sub out for a brioche they use for their cheeseburgers. Hmm. Um, I, I'm just not a fan of potato bread. I like a, I like the softer, I like a softer brioche bun. Yeah. And they, they, did, they did that no problem. Uh, you had your choice of French fries or fruit. I went with the fruit because it was warm, and I didn't really want French fries because I can get French fries anywhere. Yeah, and some nice, you know, cool fruit would probably be really hitting the spot. Exactly, exactly. A little bit more refreshing for me. So, how is the fruit in California? Um, well, I guess you kind of get California foreign your fruit all the time, but I noticed like at Walt Disney World, the fruit was just so good there in Florida, just more flavorful than anything I can get around here in a grocery store. Uh, I, the honeydew melon was pretty good. The cantaloupe was pretty good. The strawberries I actually didn't eat because they were kind of, um, shall we say, bruised. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my reaction was, yeah. That's kind of a crime because strawberries are awesome. Exactly. But the sandwich itself was very good and worth the money. Definitely. Especially some honeydew and some cantaloupe. Oh, yeah. When and that's the, good, it's good. When it's good, it's good. Mm-hmm. So at this point it was six o'clock, and the next thing we wanted to do didn't start till nine o'clock, and that was the paint tonight parade. Uh, I bet people were already lined up and ready by six o'clock. Uh, uh, when we got to dinner at five o'clock, Main Street was lined with blankets and towels of locals staking out their spot. My goodness! So we decided to wait at six o'clock and wait for the parade ourselves. And it was worth the wait. Uh, have you seen pictures or videos of the parade yet, Jeremy? Uh, I have seen some video. I've gotten to hear the audio a few times. We actually did share some audio that I managed to record from the uh, the Disney official website with the streaming camera. Which it wasn't the greatest sound quality, but it was kind of fun to hear. Uh, and I have, like I said, I did get to see some videos. Just looks like, uh, I mean, it's cool on video, but I bet it, in person that's got to be fantastic. It was amazing in person to see the LED lights, to see just the way they changed colors, to see the way they did the puppetry. Uh, you had just like a 12 foot tall Lumiere at one point that was honestly the highlight of the parade for me. Uh, just stunning how they did everything. Um, it's an amazing parade. It is. You need to go and see it. Yeah, hopefully they're going to have that parade stick around for a few years. This and it's not parade just is not going anywhere. It is going to last a long time. 
Good, because I was almost afraid, like, some of these special things they're doing, what if they only did it for this one year for the anniversary, and then they pulled it out? It would be a terrible thing. Uh, the parade is going to last for years and years to come. I can guarantee you that. Awesome, the awesome, Disneyland awesome. Forever fireworks show that happened right after the parade is going to last forever. Not forever, possibly, but for years and years to for come. For years to come. Um, the the way they did the projections on the buildings where you can see where the chimney sweeps do the step in time dance from Mary Poppins uh, where you see the lanterns from uh, from Tangled uh, just amazing honestly I was spent, spent more time looking at the projections on the buildings <laughs> than I did the fireworks themselves yeah I saw some video of that and I told Heather so I don't know if I'd want to be watching the projections or the fireworks I'd be you just caught in the middle, just like, oh my gosh, look at this, but oh my gosh, look at that. You, you need to see it three or four different times from different angles to appreciate everything. Yeah, because I, I hear the Matterhorn gets turned in, turn into Mount Punahakalugi. That's what I hear. I couldn't see it from my vantage point. I didn't see the Matterhorn, so I didn't experience that part. Uh, there's projections on Small World that I missed because I was nowhere near there. I could barely see Nemo flying in front of the castle. Uh, Tinkerbell and Nemo both fly in this show. Cool. And one thing I would really have would hope that they would try to do is if that because you know, it's probably too dangerous to get the actual uh, I forgot what they call those lanterns that they actually launched there in the movie Tangled. There's a name for those, uh, but you know it's probably too dangerous to have a lit type of thing because eventually everything that goes up has to come down and you, know, you don't want it landing on any of your buildings. Uh, but or if your they, guests or your guests. But I had the thought, and I was talking to Heather about this while we watched the video of this. Like, what if they could get drones and attach to them some sort of a version of the lantern that doesn't have a real flame, but it lights up and it looks like a lantern, but it had a bunch of drones that they could fly up over the castle that looked like the lanterns during that scene. So not only would you have the projections, but then you'd have some lanterns. That the, if the drones were black, you know, you wouldn't really see them in the night sky, but you would see some lanterns go up. Might yeah. make a lot of noise, you know, with the brrrr, but... When, when you have the musical score and the and the um, uh, the vibration of the fireworks, you wouldn't even, even notice it. <laughs> Probably not. But I just had, had that thought. It's like you know that would actually be really cool. Did, I, I do do I do know that Disney has applied for use of drones in the parks, mm-hmm. but they haven't said what they'd be used for. I'm sure it'll be something amazing. I'm sure something related along those lines. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'd love to see it. So after fireworks and the parade, which both are amazing, amazing, I told Michelle we need to go see Hattie again. (laughs) Because you have to see Experience Haunted Mansion at night. Oh, yes. Um, It's a great experience during the day, but it's an even better experience when you go from a dark exterior to a dark interior to a dark exterior. Yeah, so you can see better. You can see better. It just feels more natural both inside and out when the ride's over. Yeah, and one thing I can also share from experience, if you happen to uh, get out just the right time and it actually is storming outside when you're on there, very cool. I have not had that experience yet, but I am sure you're right. Yeah, because when there were... It was probably one of the last times we wrote it down when I was in Florida. Uh, a storm had been kind of just moving into the area because it kind of storms at least once a day, I swear. You know, rainforest area. 
Uh, but there was a bit of thunder that just started to rumble as we went in. And as we came out, it, it was raining, a pretty good downpour. And I was like, somehow this just feels appropriate. So it, it really Absolutely. did add to the effect. Absolutely. It was cool. So our intention after that was to go back to Fantasyland and experience all the attractions we had not ridden that day. The Snow White, the Alice in Wonderland, and such. But we decided at the last minute that we wanted to go on Splash Mountain. Because we'd done every other mountain on the circuit in the park. Ah. We'd done, we'd done Space Mountain, Big Thunder, and the Matterhorn. Yeah. So you, had, well you, had, you had to complete the loop. Uh, this was a mistake. Uh-oh. Uh, I, 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 can, I, I used to brag pretty well that I don't get wet on Splash Mountain. <laughs> Seemingly, at 11 o'clock at night... That streak ended. Oh no! I was soaked to the bone. <laughs> the best way I can put this, Jeremy, is if I had decided to water ski behind the Mark Twain riverboat, <laughs> I would have been drier. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, were you riding in the front or the back? I was in the front, and normally I'm put in the back because I am normally a single rider. Mm-hmm. And they tend to put the single riders in the back of the log. And so I've been pretty fortunate time after time. I was in the second seat this time around, and I was not so fortunate. Because <laughs> now all the water comes up, hits you right in the face. Uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, I was wearing shorts. Yeah, it dries out fairly well. It dries out fairly well. Uh, Michelle was wearing denim jeans. Oh, no! <laughs> So she was walking around just soggy the entire night from that point on. As it was, we we exited and we headed back out towards the park exits. And we saw that Phantasmic was starting. And we also saw that there was a hot chocolate kiosk right next to our vantage point. <laughs> so, the day was saved. Yes. We got a quick hot chocolate and watched most of Phantasmic from an amazing viewpoint. We didn't need a fast pass, we could just walk up and see it. This is because everybody else is on Main Street waiting for their next showing of the parade. Oh, so they do it twice. Paint the Night goes twice, and so does Phantasmic. Awesome. But nobody was watching the second showing of Phantasmic. (laughs) Because everybody was watching Paint the Night. (laughs) Everybody was watching Paint the Night. It's probably not a bad way to do it if you see all the crowds and all the people lined up. It's like, okay, let's go do something else and try to get to the second showing. <laughs> exactly. Because even though the people were watching Paint the Night the second time, as we were walking down Main Street while the parade was going on, it was not that crowded. We could walk by behind the parade watchers and not feel like we were jostling for a position. Huh. Well, there's a good tip for everybody then. Wait for the second showing. Wait for the second showing. Go find a good viewing spot for the fireworks, and then go to the main street for the parade afterwards. Yeah, there you go. And pretty much, it sounds like about anywhere in the in the park is a good spot to watch these fireworks with all those projections going on. And that's what I hear, and that's what I will research more in August. Yeah, definitely check it out from any angle you can. And that pretty much was my day at Disneyland. We spent about. Uh, 13 of the possible 14 hours we had in the park uh, we gave up at the end because of being cold and wet 
<laughs> we decided Chattering Teeth was not a good mix for Fantasyland. <laughs> Probably not. Well, if you got on Snow White's Scary Adventures, everybody would just think, you, oh, you were frightened. It was a, it was a scary ride. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, moving on from there, I think it's time for a review of Jurassic World. Well, so here I am. I'm on my way to the theater for a 10 a.m. showing of Jurassic World. Uh, I must say, the anticipation's pretty high for this. Uh, back in 1993, June 11th, uh, Jurassic Park, boy, when it came out, I remember my uh, my buddy Philip, known as Lost Boy Phil, uh, he had seen it first, and he was comparing it to Jaws, you know, kind of on land, and he loves the movie Jaws. That is one of his favorites. And so him to compare a movie to Jaws, I knew it had to be something. Well... Uh, we went to a drive-in theater, I recall, uh, on a Friday night to, to watch this movie. It was my first time. It was Philip's second time. We all kind of went with my family. And, uh, wow, uh, this movie just, just completely wowed me. And, uh, you know, my second time that I saw the movie in the theater, I took uh, some friends of mine uh, that lived next door that I, I'd known them for a good long time. Uh, we all went, and it was fun watching them sink back into their chairs during some of the scary moments of the film. Uh, but I ended up that movie multiple times in the theater that summer um, and even throughout the fall in the next year uh, I started dating a girl who was also a fan of the movie and uh, we we frequently just went you know, it was at the dollar theater and I didn't have a lot of money so we'd go and see it again and I swear I must have seen that movie about 16 times while it was in some sort of a form of a theater uh, it was just it was a good just a phenomenon to me and uh, I even remember uh, I played in marching band in uh, high school, or concert band at the time. And uh, there was one day that uh, our instructor pulled out the music from Jurassic Park, which you're hearing probably in the background here as I'm playing it in the car, uh, you know. Uh, and it was just a thrill for me. You know, the second and third movies, uh, they were worth watching at least once, maybe twice. You know, I, I liked them, but they, they just weren't the same. second one actually was kind of the same, but it, was, but it was too much the same. It didn't feel like a unique and different thing, although I did really enjoy the T-Rex marching around his city. That was kind of fun, uh, and it was very different for the tone of the film because it was kind of comical. Uh, so, you know, third one was pretty good. I only, I think I only saw that one one time. We went in the theater, and uh, it, it didn't have the same feel. Somehow or another, they've never recaptured that. But uh, when I started seeing stuff for Jurassic World, it looks like they've recaptured the feel of the first movie to some degree, and uh, the theme park gone wrong. So I'm very excited for this. Uh, you know, starring Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. I like them both. I've enjoyed their previous work. Uh, so here I go. I'm on my way to the theater. I'm very excited. And uh, we'll give you a full review as soon as I'm done watching it. I'm really proud of you for going on this trip. You're going to have so much fun. And remember, if something chases you,
learned more in the past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid. We just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out. Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab. Evacuate the island. She's a highly intelligent animal. She will kill anything that moves. Okay, now it has been a couple of days since I saw Jurassic World. Well, not a couple of days, really. It was yesterday morning. It just seems like it's been a while. It's been a busy weekend. But uh, I definitely have to record my thoughts on this movie. I tell you, it's definitely worth your time to go and check this movie out, especially if you happen to be a Disney fan, like uh, you probably are because you're listening to this show. The first Jurassic Park movie definitely had some references to to, uh, Disneyland. Uh, There are some smaller comments, like uh, when Hammond says that he should have built an Orlando, uh, things like that. Then, of course, the obvious line, even though they get the year wrong, talking about how Disneyland you know, uh, didn't have anything working when it first opened, but of course, you know, the pirates of the Caribbean break down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. You know, there was the obvious ones in that first movie, uh, but there were some definite similarities that they were trying to go with to connect it kind of with that Disney concept. Uh, this one went ahead with that. I mean, you have a park with a statue of John Hammond kind of right central, uh, very similar. I, th- I thought to the partners. Now you don't get a, such a good look at the statue, uh, at any point, but, uh, you can you can see that it's there. And uh, the park seems to be built around it. And, of course, the park does feature a monorail and, of course, a lot of different attractions. And uh, it really did. It's, it is it is kind of like the fun of doing a Disney park, you know, like that sort of anticipation. And people from all over the world are coming to this park. Uh, so it's, And it's Jurassic World is the park that has been in existence for 10 years at this point uh, in this film. Uh, and apparently they have corrected a lot of their mistakes. Of course, the mistakes being, you know, don't hire people like Dennis Nedry. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, work on your your automation because uh, you know he will double cross you and try to steal your stuff you know industrial espionage but uh, so yeah definitely an enjoyable movie I don't want to give away a whole lot of the story so I'll talk mainly about some story elements that you're going to be familiar with uh, if you've seen the trailer you know about they experimented and created a new type of dinosaur which ends up making this movie more of a monster movie because this creature does not behave like a normal animal like that all the other dinosaurs you're going to see are basically just being animals and doing their thing uh, but this one is smart and thinking and is a threat to everything and kills just because it enjoys it not because it's necessarily hungry which does add to a very touching scene that uh, I don't want to tell you what's happening but uh, a very touching scene that is kind of sad it's this this does aim at the heart there that was some of the things going on in this movie uh, the characters we have in here of course Chris Pratt plays this guy Owen Grady uh, he is uh, a former Navy person I don't know if that uh, they've ever said how he got to be so good with animals but uh, he is there's kind of a 
sort of a head wrangler, but he's been working on a project, working directly with the Velociraptors, and he he has named them. He has four of them, and he uh, has sort of got them trained, and he kind of explains later that he it's a respect thing, and he has become the alpha of their pack. And uh, now, of course, that leads into another character named Hoskins, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Disney fans and Marvel fans will know him from playing the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk, in the Daredevil series. He basically sees that the Velociraptors can be trained and instantly starts thinking, well, that's exactly why we brought you here, is to see if they can be trained so we could find out if we could use these as a weapon. Uh, Instead of sending American troops in against terrorists, you could drop some Velociraptors and deal with it, and uh, he is just convinced that you can uh, give these things orders uh then of course we have claire played by bryce dallas howard uh she is what i call the distant aunt who has become too formal and uh too business-like she's so focused on her career that she has left family behind uh and we also meet briefly her sister karen played by judy greer and her two children gray and zach played by ty simpkins and nick robinson two new child actors although ty simpkins looked a little familiar to me but i don't know what i've seen him and i thought they said his name was grady the whole time but apparently it is gray but uh karen sends her two sons off to this park and zach seems kind of just lackadaisical you know he's older brother he's kind of like i'm too big for this and uh, i think some of you families that go to disney parks know that you have maybe that one kid that feels like they've outgrown it until they get there because as he sees some dinosaurs, he does get excited, but Gray is having to keep nudging him like, hey, look at this. You know, and Gray is very excited, very much into the dinosaurs and things like that. Uh, but it basically, we're, we're following lots of different stories uh, going on here. You've got, of course, the question that I always brought up uh, from the original film of are we going too far with uh, this genetics and the science? Is it, is it possible for us to really play God too much and cause problems? Of course, the answer is always yes. Don't play God with this sort of thing. Don't mess with things that you shouldn't. Uh, but if people ever, ever you know, listen to that little rule in their head, we wouldn't have things like this happen in movies. <laughs> so... But, of course, so you have that, you know, should you be messing around genetically and creating a new type of dinosaur, which they called, uh, like, an impedimus rex, something like that. It's a very complicated name, and they say it a few times, and I try to pick up on it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, they gave it a name. And, of course, then, with, you know, Claire's alternate storyline, of course, is that she's been distant from these two boys that were sent, but her sister wants them, you can tell, you know, to kind of bond and spend time with their aunt and, and family being important. And, you know, that's, a, that's a big lesson here, that family is important. You know, yes, job is good, you know, but uh, family has got to be more important than that. And so, of course, we have that lesson. So there's right now three kind of object lessons kind of going on in this movie. And they're, they're all fairly predictable. That's not like a completely new concept on any of this. In fact, this movie is quite predictable, and you'll probably be able to spot which characters are going to die as soon as you are introduced to that character. I pretty much called it on every single one. <laughs> so, But nonetheless, it, it was still, um, a still an enjoyable movie. I'd call this a fun ride, which is kind of odd because, you know, you know, the first one it was you know it was kind of a scary movie, you know, and it was it was pretty good. It was kind of almost sci-fi horror, but it was also an adventure. Now this one here uh, doesn't really have the sci-fi horror. I mean, there are some tense moments and everything, but it's more of the adventure and the fun level of things. Uh, it is it's very action oriented and a lot of fun and a, just a great popcorn movie. Um, let's see. I don't really want to give away too much of the story, but uh, everything, of course, revolves around when this creature that they have created outsmarts them and gets loose. Uh, now, of course, it's on a rampage, and you know you've got a park full of people that they're trying to figure out how to 
possibly maybe not worry them. Hey, you know, how do we protect these people? And uh, how do we deal with this threat? You know, uh, you know, there's there's part of them that's like, oh well, this is an asset. We don't want to kill it. And then they realize, well, that's a bad idea. <laughs> you can guess what goes wrong with that when you see the movie. You'll you'll know what's coming. It's like, oh yeah, this is a bad idea. You know. So it's like I said, very predictable film, but very enjoyable. It was produced by uh, Steven Spielberg, and of course not directed to it. But the one thing I did very much enjoy is the music with this film. Um, it is done by Michael Giacchino, and I'm, a lot of Liz, Disney fans are going to be familiar with him. Uh, I'm pretty sure I butchered his name, but I mean he has done uh, what Space Mountain. He did the mu- new music that's in Disneyland for Space Mountain, uh, The Incredibles, the newer Star Trek movies. He's done a lot. This is a man that I've heard in an interview say that he was somebody who just loved listening to movie scores and soundtracks as a young boy, and uh, he would just listen and he could imagine the uh, movie with the music and everything, which you know, something I used to do. And so that's how he got into creating movies for music, you know, because he had the talent to do it, which is something I don't have. Uh, so it's really fun to have him go and t- his take on John Williams' music. And so he borrows and uses some John Williams' music to make this film feel more like the original Jurassic Park film. And that's what I felt this movie was. See, the second and third, they felt like the studio wanting to pop out another one because it was a viable franchise. And so they were they were good, but they weren't up to the same level. This, you know, it's been a few years removed. I mean, the last film came out in, I think, 2002. So it's been about 13 years since we've had another Jurassic Park movie. But this one feels like it was made by fans. It is very much a lot of fan service. Um, There's a lot of good throwbacks to the first movie, including an appearance of Mr. DNA. Uh, Just wonderful... You know, throw-ins, and I don't want to give away them because there's there's some really great surprises and stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy. Overall, ah, boy, it's hard to, to hard to rate the, between the first one and this one, but I'd say this one is right underneath the first one as being just excellent movies. Uh, I'd highly recommend this movie. And yes, I think there's good reason for Disney fans to go and see this movie because it has that little bit of tie into a Disney park. It's that that similarity that I think you will enjoy and. And uh, definitely a good popcorn flick. One of the best summer movies so far and still anticipating Ant-Man. But now speaking of theme parks, we need to listen to part of the opening day as we have been for the last few weeks. The opening day of Disneyland in celebration of Disneyland's 60th anniversary. Uh, We are on part four this week. So uh, have a listen and enjoy. One day I took my leave from town I aimed a grin, a wildcat down The beast and I began to stare Was a growling grizzly bear When you went together whittling sticks. Oh, yeah. I got myself into a fix. I was picking whittling sticks. The snow was frozen on the ground. Like a hungry wolves came round.
about the trouble you had with the engine. When I was riding through the woods, trade off skins for bought and goods. Forty arrows hit a tree. I knew the Sioux were out for me. here in Pioneer Line and Frontier Land. There's horses and there's mules and there's wagons and there's some little kids over there waiting for a mule ride. Fess, buddy, why don't we give them the thrill of their lives by going over and putting them on the mule ride for the first time. Come on over here. We'll return to Frontier Land, to the stage of the Golden Horseshoe, to Old New Orleans and the maiden voyage of the Mississippi River boat, the Mark Twain, in just a moment. We're full a herd of cattle. Yes, sir, this is Bob Cummings again. Now, Art Linkletter has just gone to, down to the landing to give a wonderful send-off to the riverboat Mark Twain on his maiden voyage. But before we join him, I'd like to have you see Slewfoot Sue's Golden Horseshoe. It's really the, the show place of the frontier. You know, in the folklore of the Old West, there, there were so many legends that were real, and they became men. And so many men that were so real, they became legends. And, of course, uh, Slewfoot Sue was the, the girlfriend of Pecos Bill, the tallest man of the tallest tales of the Old Southwest. Now, if you can listen now, you'll hear that they're playing a song all about Pecos Bill. So come on, let's go inside and see what's happening, huh? Well, I tell you, Slewfoot Sue boasts the longest little bar in the entire wide world with the tallest glass of soda pop. Now, of course, as you begin to see the interior, there's the stage and the orchestra, just like in the old, old days. Up in a box above me, I don't think you can see them, is Ken Murray and his wife, Betty Lou. And, of course, there's General Clarence Shoup and Mrs. Shoup, who's Julie Bishop, an old leading lady of mine. Aren't those gorgeous, those girls doing the can-can? 
And the audience is so enthusiastic here, ladies and gentlemen. Incidentally, this beautiful ceiling is also 5-8, scale. And everything here has been built especially by Walt Disney for this old dance hall of the old days. you hear, ladies and gentlemen, means that the Mark Twain is ready down at the dock. We don't want to miss the launching ceremony, so come in, my friend Art Linkletter. A stern wheel riverboat, something most living Americans have never seen. A popular boat up and down the Mississippi, 50 years ago and more. And Walt Disney has built this great, big, beautiful, authentic stern wheel paddle boat from keel to smokestack. A quarter of a million dollars worth of boat that hasn't been built in America for 50 years. Loaded with gay and carefree, happy passengers. A band playing up there in the second deck, which is the grand salon deck. All paneled in special woods, ready for the parties of the year. And incidentally, Walt Disney and his wife, Lily, celebrated their 30th anniversary last Wednesday, right here at a special party aboard the Mark Twain. But right now, it's my pleasure to introduce the lovely lady and famous star whom Mr. Disney has asked to christen the Mark Twain. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Irene Dunn. Hello, Irene. Hello, how are you? My, it, it's listing. <laughs> it's listing a little because it'll be shoving off in a moment. Yes, well, this is an authentic stern wheeler. Did you know that? 105 feet long. Well, how do you know all this? Well, you see, my father used to be supervising general of steamships in America, and my grandfather used to build boats like this. I'll bet your dad would love to be here today, up there standing by the yes, wheelhouse. I can almost see him standing up there now with the captain alongside of him just as though it were the greatest place in the world. Well, now, Miss Dunn, you're holding a very special bottle here in your arms. Yes, I am, Walt. You see, um, this bottle contains waters from all the leading rivers in America. Brought here from all these towns by the great rivers. That's right. So with these precious waters, I'm going to christen this boat the Mark Twain. And there the boat is christened, and it starts on its daily trips up and down the rivers of the world, of America, that is. Thank you, Miss Dunn. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I've got other places to go, and uh, the Commodore, Admiral Joe Fowler, up there in the wheelhouse, looks like they're getting ready to shove off, so I better... Goodbye, Irene. And goodbye, everybody. Have a good ride. There goes the whistle. Take her away, Admiral. Mark Twain as she gets ready to start on her maiden voyage. 
the Mark Twain, a proud symbol of that romantic era when whole cities grew out of river ports. The churning paddle wheels brought new people, new customs, and new industries to those fabulous ports of call, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Natchez. boat even brought a new kind of music up the river from the city where the blues were born, where the Dixieland style was king, New Orleans. Disney music fans, the time has come. It's the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Your vote will determine this year's top five Disney songs. Vote now at poll.neverlandpodcast.com. That's P-O-L-L.neverlandpodcast.com. And listen to the Neverland Podcast to see which Disney band rises above the competition. All right, it is time for an update to the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Here's how things panned out last week. Now, you might remember last week I was doing triple threat matches. And so the top winners in each category would get two points. The middle winner would get one point, And the third would only get zero. <laughs> so in our first area, we'll talk about the Loser's Rumble, which was Pixar versus Muppet Mayhem versus Classically Animated. Uh, and our winners in the competitions, each one, the Rainbow Connection, It's Not Easy Being Green, and Going Back There Someday. And then, of course, in fourth, you know, we did have When You Wish Upon a Star that won in its grouping. So the Muppets win two points, and the Classics of Hongs win one point in that. And for the winners, Battle Royal, this was Living Action versus Renaissance Band versus Disney Indiana Park Club Band. And in four levels of competition, the winners were Tiki Room, Feed the Birds, Grim Grinning Ghost, and the Bear Band Serenade, making the Disney Indiana Park Club Band a two-point winner and Living Action a one-point winner. And if you didn't hear any songs from the other category win, that's because they didn't win any categories and also didn't win any points. But, of course, now the competition has already begun for this week. And the following week... Disney and the club, Park Club Band is taking on Living Action. Now, I was trying to get some of our top performers to square off. So the ones getting the biggest votes basically in the last couple weeks are going head-to-head. So in this competition, we have Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion taking on Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins. In the Tiki Room from Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, it takes on This Only Happens in the Movies from Who Discovered Roger Rabbit. The Bear Band Serenade from the Country Bear Jamboree will be taking on Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious from Mary Poppins. And finally, in the Disney End, a Park Club Band versus Living Action, A Pirate's Life for Me, Yo-Ho, from Pirates of the Caribbean, is taking on A Whale of a Tale from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Very appropriate competition in that one. I really like the fact that a pirate song is going against The Whale of a Tale. But I'm very excited to see how Grim Grinning Ghosts fares against Feed the Birds. I mean, that's going to be tough because you got a lot of Haunted Mansion fans out there. And Feed the, Feed the Birds, of course, is like the Walt Disney favorite song, you know? Our next competing bands is Muppet Mayhem will be taking on the Renaissance. And, boy, this is going to be a good one. I'm going to go back there someday from the Muppet movie. It's going head-to-head with I Won't Say I'm In Love from Hercules. Next, we have the Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie taking on A Friend Like Me from Aladdin. 
It's Not Easy Being Green from Sesame Street is taking on Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. And finally, Manor Muppet from The Muppets taking on Go the Distance from Hercules. Our next round of competition is the classic animated taking on Pixar. I really like this concept of a matchup because it's like the original classic hand-drawn animation from years and years and decades ago versus the modern version of animation where it's done on a computer and something like that. So it's like that, that, that old versus new. When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio will be taking on You've Got a Friend in Me. And that is, that's like the number one of animated songs versus the, the kind of the number one of the uh, the Pixar world. You know, that's like the, the big top hitters, so that's going to be fun. Uh, also, we have the second star to the right from Peter Pan, who's going to take on Put That Thing Back Where It Came From from Monsters Incorporated. Then we have the silly song from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to take on Strange Things from Toy Story. And finally, Never Smile at a Crocodile from Peter Pan is going to take on If I Didn't Have You from Monsters Incorporated. That's the competition that we have this week at the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Remember to go to poll.neverlandpodcast.com and cast your vote. You have one week to vote for your favorites and you can vote as many times as you like. There is supposed to be a five-minute window. Sometimes it seems people are able to just reload the page and vote again, <laughs> but I don't know why the five-minute limit has not been working. I've done everything I know that I'm supposed to. Maybe people are just not having their cookie set properly, so my website can't track that you just voted. I don't know, but please, people, don't cheat. <laughs> All right, now we're going to continue our dinosaur fun with a couple of Disney attractions featuring dinosaurs. And if you don't know what they are, well, I guess I'll go ahead and tell you. There is the Primeval World, which comes along during the uh, railroad ride in Disneyland. As you ride around, you'll get to go through the Grand Canyon and then see this Primeval World. And then from Walt Disney World over in the uh, Animal Kingdom, you do have the ride simply called Dinosaur. And I'm going to share audio from both of those right now. Enjoy! Look at that dinosaur! 
Dr. Marsh, director of the Dino Institute, and I hope you enjoyed those quaint exhibits in the old way. <laughs> That's how dinosaurs have been presented to the public since the study of fossils began over 150 years ago. Today that bare bones approach is about to become extinct. In a perfect blending of science and technology, the Dino Institute has created the Time Rover, an amazing vehicle that will literally transport you to the age of the dinosaurs. How? That's proprietary. But the result is a breathtaking journey through a prehistoric world where you will witness the most spectacular creatures to ever walk the Earth. In a moment, you'll be going live to our control center for a comprehensive safety briefing, and then it's on to the tour that will convince you forever that the future is truly in the past. Hello there. Welcome to our little trans-dimensional joyride, folks. I'm Dr. Secret, your friendly controller and a heck of a paleontologist, if I do say so myself. But let's not talk about me, let's talk about you, and how you can help me make history today with the Time Rover. It's like this. If I can bring you back from the Cretaceous period, it stands to reason that I can bring back a live dinosaur with you, and not just any dinosaur. Take a look at this guy. He's an iguanodon, and I'm certain that he is the key to understanding these magnificent creatures. I tagged him with a locator during an unauthorized field trip. Otherwise, I'd be traveling with you. Right now, our dino should be about here, at the very end of the Cretaceous period. That's where you're going today. I've arrived, it seems, just in time to correct a little misstatement. Dr. Marsh. That is impossibly close to the giant asteroid impact that destroyed most life forms on Earth. Our tools are designed to take you to the early Cretaceous period. And I can assure you that all time rovers have been securely locked on those coordinates. That's right. See? Securely locked. Access denied. <laughs> Continue. Of course. We were just talking about seatbelts. Plug them in. Use them. It can get kind of choppy out there, so keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Flash photography? I wouldn't. It alters the homing signal, and that's not good. Oh, and one more thing. Those locked coordinates? We're in. Now, here's the drill. You follow the homing signal to the iguanodon, then I'll enlarge the transport field, and boom, you're back with one additional passenger extra large. And don't worry about that asteroid. You'll be in and out of there before it even breaks the atmosphere. Trust me, what could go wrong? Hey, it's me again. Remember, only you guys are going on this special mission, so don't tell anyone, okay?
go get that dino. Computer, what are you tracking? Cyracosaurus. Not our dino. Warning, meteor shower in range. Just little one. To those of you joining us here, welcome aboard the Disneyland Railroad. Please remain seated while the train is moving, keeping your hands and arms inside the car. And no smoking, please. We're now about to travel along the rim of the Grand Canyon. All the animals, trees, and birds you will see are typical of those actually found there. Our train will then carry us back millions of years in time, back to a day when mighty dinosaurs ruled the swamps and marshes of the fantastic primeval world. And now, the Grand Canyon.
That's the spectacular Grand Canyon as we know it today. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, millions of years ago, warm primeval seas covered the region we call the Grand Canyon. Strange creatures crawled from the seas. And later, giant animals roamed over the swamps and marshes. Our ancestors never heard the sounds we're about to hear, nor saw the sights of this fantastic primeval world. approaching the Main Street Station. If you are disembarking here, please remain seated until we come to a complete stop. Then kindly gather your belongings and step carefully from the train. Thank you for traveling with us aboard the Disneyland Railroad. And we hope you have a wonderful visit here at the Magic Kingdom. This is Main Street. Main Street Station. Disneyland, USA. Neverland Feedback. Alright, let's get to a few Neverland shoutouts, shall we? Uh, this week we have some new Twitter followers. Tim Street, Ashley, who uh, basically, I don't have a last name or anything, but it's Ash underscore CC forever. And then John McCool Bowers, also Risky Adelia, and Queenie Thompson. Thank you all for following us here on the Neverland Twitter feed. That, of course, is at NeverlandPCast. Make sure you follow us and tweet to us throughout the week because we do try to have a lot of fun and interact, and anything interesting I find, I will be sharing with you. We also like to do things like Marvel Mondays and stuff, which I do plan on getting a bit more active on. I am no longer a postal worker, so I'm going to have a lot more time, and of course that means I'm also job hunting, so if anybody knows any jobs in the Kansas City area that would be good for a guy who really belongs in a cubicle behind a computer desk. Uh, if you have anything good, go ahead and email that to me. I'd appreciate it. Uh, we also have a review. Now, this was not on iTunes. Uh, this was from a Twitter feed that is known as Undercover Mouse. And they like to go and listen to Disney podcasts and they'll rank them up during the which ones had some of the better shows throughout the week in their opinion. And Undercover Mouse ranked the Neverland podcast number two in their top five Disney podcast for the week. So I'd really like to say thank you to Undercover Mouse for giving us that dubious honor. And if you have anything you'd like to say about how what you think about the show, remember to send us an email or tweet to us or go to iTunes, Stitcher, and that sort of thing and leave us a review there. In fact, I want to hear from you to know what you are enjoying most about the Neverland podcast and what you'd like to hear more of or maybe something you'd like to hear less of. Less news, more news. More rides, less rides. Whatever you want. Let 
let me know what it is that you enjoy most about the Neverland podcast. And um, you know, I'll take everything into consideration. If I if I found that everybody prefers when I do certain things, I'll certainly lean that direction because I want you all to enjoy it and have a good time. I'm trying to do something very positive, put it out there, give you a good start to your week. So anything I can do to make that better, I'm all for giving it a shot. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for me this week. So I'm just going to remind you to keep a pixie in your pocket. And of course, that is your young at heart and good attitude that you need to take with you. And don't forget to take that pixie out of your pocket and sprinkle a little pixie dust on some people once in a while. Sometimes just a smile, a hug, or a handshake goes a long way and to make someone's day. Because remember, if you keep the right attitude, there's a lot of things that you can face and, uh, and have a much better time at it, even when you're going through those rough spots. Keep a little pixie dust on hand to try to get yourself through the day. And you just keep on keeping on. Don't quit. It, don't give up just keep going and try to wear a smile as best you can and try to share that smile with other people but we've got to get going here so i will see you all next week so until i see you again remember to keep going to disney and beyond and god bless thank you for listening to the neverland podcast please subscribe and rate the show on itunes stitcher and blueberry we love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPcast and Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyrighted their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license.